Hi, Journey. How y'all doing today? Great to be with every single one of you in the presence of our magnificent God. It is uh, Palm Sunday today, and that means this is the weekend historically when we celebrate Jesus Christ's entry, his riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Remember, to much fanfare, palm fronds, and so that's where the name Palm Sunday comes from. Uh, that was the beginning of what was the Passion Week, the week in which Jesus wrapped up his earthly ministry, died on Friday, and then rose from the dead on Sunday. I'm not going to be talking about Palm Sunday today. If you were around last year, uh, you might recall that we had a donkey on the stage, our singular foray into live animals on stage, and uh, no more donkey. <laughs> Enough said. I do, however, want to talk to you today about this staggering, and I mean, th this is staggering reality that Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God himself, was raised from the dead so that you and I can experience the mighty power of God himself. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead so that you and I as followers of him can experience the mighty power of God himself. And we're all human beings in this room, no animals present today. And we know as human beings that we generally like power, don't we? Right? We like power. And marketers and so are very, very aware of that. And so they've tapped into our like of power. Right? We eat power bars, don't we? And we use power bars to fuel our work and recreational pursuits. This is a freebie, no charge for this one. But if you ever go to Ethiopia on one of our short-term, uh, with one of our short-term teams over there, uh, the food's a little funky if you're not accustomed to it. And so I always suggest, and I always do, take a case of power bars with you. Because you, you can survive a whole two weeks on a case of power bars. You'll be sick of them, but you can survive. We sit through and we create PowerPoint presentations, right? Power. And some of those PowerPoint presentations that we've all sat through are like, oh my gosh, I might die. There's another slide, right? Some of us, I don't know what this means, but we eat power lunches sometimes. I have no idea what a power lunch is, but you know, you hear people talking about having a power lunch. Not sure if it has anything to do with electricity or not. We try to make our physical bodies more powerful with power workouts, right? I think it was a couple of weeks ago you saw the results of my power workouts when they put a picture of my bicep with that risen tattoo on there, on the screen. If you miss that, see what I mean, you miss a weekend, you miss a lot. Photoshop, that's all I have to say about that. We like power. Power makes us feel really, really strong, doesn't it? And I'm not saying this is true about any of us in this room, but lots and lots of people who some of us know spend the better part of their lives pursuing the most power that they can possibly attain. They chase and chase and chase more and more and more. And you can celebrate this. Humanity's pursuit of power, you can celebrate humanity's pursuit of power by picking up any of the myriad power issues of Fortune magazine, right? You've seen these. You could pick up the edition that addresses the 25 most powerful people in business, sort of profiles all of them. You could pick up the other edition that profiles the 25 most powerful men 
in business. Or if you wanted to, you could pick up the 25 most powerful women in business version of Fortune magazine. Or you could pick up the 25 most powerful people in business under the age of 40 listing if you'd like. There's all these sort of celebration of power listings that fill the pages of one of the most powerful magazines in print. Interestingly, power was one of the titles that the founder of Fortune magazine was noodling with calling his new publication way back when he first started it. Instead, he landed on Fortune. And no matter whether you've made one of Fortune magazine's power listings or not, the pursuit of power, especially the kind that a magazine like Fortune measures, you know what happens, don't you? It eventually runs out, doesn't it? One author of a recent Fortune power listing introduction said it this way, in my many years of hanging around the most powerful people in business, I've observed that no matter how much you've got, how much power you've got, you've never got it all. The gradations are important. Maybe you're powerful in your office, but are you powerful down the hall? Are you powerful in another town? Are you powerful in another country? How about all of those who would have made the list last year who are forgotten this year? They're not even on the list. He's saying, in essence, even those who chronicle the supposed most powerful people acknowledge that at the end of the day, the pursuit of the kind of power that they're measuring, it runs out. They stop making the list. They lose their power. They're forgotten. And eventually, everyone dies, right? Whether you've made the Fortune magazine power listing or not, 100 out of 100 people die. And the Apostle Paul, get this, one of the most prolific biblical writers, one of the most admired Christ followers in all of history, he says this, about power from Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he, that's God, has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That's us. We are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand, look at this, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And you see what Paul's saying there. It's that the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the very first Easter is available, widely available to ordinary people just like you and just like me. It isn't just a few select, it isn't just a few elite, it is widely available. The very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you and it's available to me. It's a stunning reality. In Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9, I'd encourage you to go read this passage sometime. If you do, you'll read about Simon the Magician. Some of you might know this story. And Simon the magician in his day, I promise he was showing up on all kinds of most powerful listings, wasn't he? The short story is that Simon was running around boasting about all of the great power that he had. Simon, see, was a magician. He was a wizard. And he had this fantastic show going. He wowed the crowds with smoke and mirrors, all kinds of amazing wizardry. They called him 
Simon the Magician, they called him the Great Power. That was his nickname. Whoa, that's a cool nickname. The Great Power. And Simon the Magician, he was pretty great and he was pretty powerful until one day, two of Jesus' disciples, two guys who you might recognize their names, Peter and John, they showed up in Simon's town and they started doing the miraculous in and under the power of God. And the miracles that Peter and John did, they helped people. Simon's didn't. The miracles of Peter and John, they healed people. Simon's didn't. Nothing Simon had held a candle to what Peter and John were doing. He didn't have anything in his magical bag of tricks that came close to the things that Peter and John were doing in the resurrection power of God. And so you see, there's Simon. He's got this big display of smoke and mirrors, he may, I don't know, have had a glinting wizard cape even. Predicting the future, he would have had these melodramatic declarations of fate and fortune and bottles were probably bu- bubbling and fizzing and he claimed that he could cure and curse and destroy, probably even promised he could make people rich. He would have had a throng crowding around him, an awed silence, watching in amazement, wide-eyed. And then Simon looked around and he noticed something that his crowds, his followers, they were sort of thinning out. Simon realized something, that his powerful, magical appeal was vanishing. And so what's he do? He's a smart guy. He's no dummy. And so he sidles up next to the apostles, Peter and John. He actually takes money out, and hand, you can read this in the story. He takes money out. He hands them a few bucks and is like, what a show you've got going, guys. This is amazing. I mean, look at the crowds. How'd you do it? Come on. How'd you do it? I'll pay you really good money if you just, your secret? Can I have your secret? Because see, the deal is that some of these people who are following you, they used to follow me. They used to watch my little show and, well, I need more power. I'm lagging behind. So will you please make me as powerful as you guys are? I got to think about who in the world Simon's talking to. It's Peter, right? And Peter, you would imagine, was not at all even close to being amused with this jokester. Seriously. And so Peter does this remarkable thing. He looks right to the depths of Simon's heart, and he sees right to the crux, the root of the matter, and says, You want real power, Simon? This isn't about some big show. You're about the show, this. What we're doing, it's not about any kind of show. You cannot buy the power of God with money. This isn't just some cheap mall parking lot carnival extravaganza. This is the power of almighty God himself at work. You, Simon, get a clue. No more smoke and mirrors, Simon. This is all about everything that's going on right here, right inside your heart, the seat of your being. And what Peter tapped into is something that was true about Simon's heart. It's what's true about so many other people's hearts, even some of ours, lots of Christians even. By the way, Simon the magician, the great power, he was a Christian. We read a little earlier on in that text that Simon had given his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. He had even taken the step of faith and obedience and been baptized. But everything in his inner world was not yet ordered in the way of Christ. He had a bitter heart still. He had a corrupt heart 
still. He had an envious heart still. And Simon might have just resolved that, well, that was going to be the case with him for the rest of his days. I'm just going to carry this bitterness with me. I'm just going to carry this corruption with me. I'll carry this envy with me. It's just sort of, right? Lots of Christians say it to this day. This is just my cross to bear. I've just got this stuff, this sin, these hurts, these habits, these hang-ups, and I'm just going to carry them for the rest of my days. We just think we've got to deal with it. All the stuff from our before Christ life, we just got to carry it with us. It's not the case. It's not supposed to be the case. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was raised from the dead so that you and I, followers of his, can experience the mighty power of God himself transforming us. And sometimes we talk about the power of God. We expect that it's all about like the big show. It's all about smoke and fire and lightning and all this big stuff. But more often than not, see, the power of God is most revealed right here right here in our hearts as his resurrection power changes us like from old to new, from sick to well, from broken to whole, from greedy to generous, from sexually addicted to sexually pure, from envious to contentedness, from bitterness to forgiving, from corruption to honesty, and I could go on and on and on, couldn't I? The power of God isn't always this big show. It's most often right here in the transformation of our being. The Apostle Paul elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, says it this way, now all glory to God who is able like there's no question here it's not like is he able might he be able who is able through his mighty power at work within us it's already at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think and we all got stuff we all got hurts and we all got habits and we all got hang-ups that we're like man it'd be really nice to be rid of that someday, but I'm just going to sort of suffer on through it, right? That's what some of us think. And we just think, well, I can't even ask because I know that it's just my cross to bear. And Paul says, uh-uh. His power in us is able to accomplish more, infinitely more than we might even ask or think. Which means that for all of us, Every single one of us who claims the name of Jesus Christ has within us right now, because of the Holy Spirit of God, the power to overcome anger, to resist greed, to forgive those who hurt us, to live a sexually pure life, to release the bitterness, to be freed up from envy, and all of that is by the same power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's not some other little power. It's not like this dialed down deal that we can handle. It's like in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, which means that any of us spending our lives captive to sin is not the destiny of God's children. It is not our destiny. 
And understand this, the sin that we so often get caught up in, it isn't just like petty little human conflict stuff. Sometimes we think it is and we just chalk it up and, well, sometimes it is. But more often than not, dark spiritual forces are in play when we're angry or when we steal or when we lie or when we're bitter or when we slander. When we cross the line into sexual immorality, when we're greedy, when we deceive people and on and on and on it goes. Dark spiritual powers are in play. And so you see, if any of us wants to truly overcome those, the conflict with those dark spiritual powers, we must stand firm and stand fast in the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Because any ability that we have to overcome any of that only comes from the power of God in us. How many of us have tried and tried and tried and tried? We've pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps again and again and again. I'm just going to work a little harder. I'm just going to strive a little more. I'm just going to get up earlier, right? And I'm going to beat this hurt or beat this habit or beat this hang up. And how many times do we just fall right back in? Fall right back in. It's the power of God and the power of God alone that sets us free from the power of sin. And sometimes it's dramatic and sometimes it's overnight and sometimes it's right now and it's gone. And sometimes it's bit by bit by bit like baby steps. Now get this, that you and I overcoming sin in our lives is just one of the ways. Well, that's two, but I meant it to be one. You and I overcoming sin in our lives is just one of the ways we experience the resurrection power of God. Luke 4.18 captures the other, and I'm going to read this from the message translation of the Bible. God's spirit is on me. Let me set this up. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Anytime you come to anything early on in any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you're coming into, especially er well, early on, is the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry, his public ministry. So if you read anything early on in any of the Gospels, that's like the beginning, the launch, the start of Jesus' ministry, and the rest of the Gospel will just sort of move you through chronologically the ministry of Jesus Christ. So this is very early on in Jesus' ministry. This is his sort of vision-casting statement, his proclamation of everything that he's going to be about in his public ministry, and he's declaring this. And here's what he says. God's Spirit is on me. What's that mean? Another way to say that is the power of God is on me. And look at what he says. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. He's sent me to announce pardon to prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind. He's sent me to set the burdened and battered free. The declaration of Jesus Christ, of his mission, of his purpose, of his vision. All in and under the power of God. He's going to be about setting free. He's going to be about bringing the good news. He's going to be about lifting burdens. He's going to be about pardoning. He's going to be about, buckle in, giving sight to the blind. And so we see that the acquisition of God's power in Jesus' life, it wasn't just about him not even close. Just like 
Neither is it just about us, not even close. We're not just receiving God's resurrection power so that we can overcome the sin in our lives. That's just part of it. You know, the reason that God allows us to experience his, get this, his resurrection power is so that we may be about the very same things that Jesus himself was about. The very same things that Jesus himself was about. Setting free, bringing the good news, lifting burdens, pardoning, and yes, giving sight to the blind. Whoa. Not like for some elite special few, not for the professional clergy, all of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ must, must, must be about the things that God gave us his power to accomplish. It's why he imparts his power to us via the Holy Spirit of God. What if we as followers of Jesus Christ made that text, Luke 4.18, front and center in our hearts and lives? I really think it ought to be the evaluative verse, sort of the lens, the grid through which we examine our hearts and lives. Is the resurrection power of God at work in my life and through my life in the same way it was at work in and through the life of Jesus Christ? It's the question. Are people being set free because of God's resurrection power in and through me? Am I bringing the good news, the gospel, to people, and by the resurrection power of God, are they responding? Is the resurrection power of God in me and through me lifting the burdens of people? Is the resurrection power of God in and through me pardoning people from their sin? And then we have to ask this question. Is God's resurrection power in and through me giving sight to the blind? And that isn't like figuratively speaking, is it giving sight to the blind? And what if we made that verse our grid of reflection, let's just say for the next week, let's take just a bite size. Luke 4.18, our grid of reflection for the next week. What if you just sort of made camp on that verse and that verse alone in your time with God every single day? What if you said that verse every night, last thing you do before you fall asleep? What if you put it on a three by five card on your mirror as you're getting ready in the morning? What if you made it your memory verse, you see what I'm doing with this, for the week? I don't care, you can set the verse to a song and sing it if you'd like. Whatever you do, Ask God to sink that verse into your soul and declare to God that you want to be about his things. His power in and through you to be about the very same things that Jesus Christ was about. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in and through our lives. 
God actually holds an expectation for us to be working in tandem with his power in order to fulfill God's purposes, not someday, but right here, right now. And I'm going to hazard a guess that some of you, maybe not on the surface, but maybe somewhere deep down, you're pushing back against what I'm saying, even as I say it. And here's what I would just sort of hazard a guess. I'd hypothesize that your pushback, if you have any, might go something like this. You're saying that somewhere, you're saying somewhere deep inside of you something like this. Well, that all sounds, Brian, well and good. But that was Jesus, right? And well, I'm not Jesus, so I can't do anything close to what it was that Jesus did. He was God. I'm not God. So, and here's really where the pushback, this is where the rubber meets the road. I can't. Even though you're telling me I have the power of God in me, I can't set people free, I can't bring the good news, I can't lift burdens, I can't pardon, I definitely can't give sight to the blind. That was like a thing that happened back then. How'd I do? Did I nail your pushback? And here's how I want to answer. Words of Christ. Jesus himself, John 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me Anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, claims the name of Jesus Christ, pursues him, is in love with him, anyone who believes in me will do the same, same works I have done. And, this is a great big and, should be caps, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Let that speak to any and all pushback. And those of us who are parents in this room, we sort of instinctively feel what Jesus is doing there, right? All of us who are parents want our kids to do what? Far exceed us, like in every way, right? Only, I'm just going to say this. Only the most like twisted, demented parent would want their kid to be worse off than they are, right? Like that person, those people, they shouldn't even be parents. Take away their parenting license. We all want our kids to far exceed us. We pray for that and we order our lives accordingly. We'll sacrifice anything for our kids so they can step higher, further, than us. And Jesus says, John 14, 12, look, as my followers, you're going to be about the same, same things as me and, big ol' and, even greater ones, because I'm leaving and I'm going to be with the Father and the same power of God that raised me from the dead is, get this, going to be set loose into you. The resurrection power of God is going to be set loose in you, and you, Jesus says, as my followers, are going to do even greater works than Jesus because of his power at work in our lives first, through us second. The resurrection power of God through us to set people free. The resurrection power of God through us to bring the good news and people respond. The resurrection power of God through us to lift 
burdens, the resurrection power of God through us, through the gospel, to pardon. And even the resurrection power of God through us to give sight to the blind. You will do the same things and even greater works as the power of God works in and through us, the words of Jesus Christ. We see all around us every single day people caught up in this grand pursuit of the kind of power that Fortune Magazine and the like measure. And Jesus says, don't spend your life chasing that kind of power. Jesus says, understand just by virtue of your relationship with me, you have in you the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's at work in you today. You don't have to go chase it down. It's right here. And his resurrection power in us and his resurrection power through us, it changes everything. It changes He changes everything. Take your stuff with you, set it aside, and I just invite you to move into a posture of prayer and reflection and listening to God if you would. heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I would anticipate in an audience like this that numerous people have business to do with God. Stuff in our lives that we desperately need God's resurrection power to overcome. And I just expect that a whole bunch of us we just thought that we'd have to live with that until our dying day. You've said it again and again and again in your spirit, like, ah, it's just my cross to bear. Some hurt, some habit, some hang up, and well, I just gotta kinda live with it. And Jesus is saying to you today, no. That is not my way. The resurrection power of God, the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, imagine that power. God wants to sweep it across your heart and sweep it across your life. And he wants to bring you freedom. Freedom maybe that you've only imagined. God's invitation to you today, his challenge to you today, is will you just let him have it? Right? Will you just release your grasp on that thing that you've taken up to be your own thing? It was never meant to be your own thing. Will you just release your grip on it and say, okay, God, by your resurrection power, 
I'm loosing my grip and I'm entrusting this to you, God. Will you do something? Will you do your transformative, freeing, redemptive work? And just let him have it. And would you just say that to him in the quietness of this moment? God, here, take it. I need your resurrection power to overcome that. And then tell him you're just going to stand fast in his power. And you're not going to be passive. You're going to obey him. There'll be some action steps that he'll have for you, and you're going to obey those. You're going to walk those out. But this isn't just a work harder thing. This isn't just a get up earlier thing. This isn't just a grab your bootstraps thing. It's a power of God thing. And maybe your freedom will come in an instant. Or maybe your freedom will come moment by moment, bit by bit, baby step by baby step. Maybe you're a person who's here today who God is inviting to take the step of saving faith in Jesus Christ. God's knocking on the door of your heart, inviting you to come home, inviting you into his resurrection life, inviting you to salvation from your sin, inviting you to the mission that he made you for, inviting you into adoption into God's family. And if that's you today, you can take that very bold step of trusting him with your whole heart, your whole life by praying along with me, a prayer that goes like this. Pray with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I get it. And Jesus, for all these years, I've been scratching and I've been clawing and I've been trying to save myself. And I'm just now awakening to the reality that I need a savior. I need Jesus. I need you. I'm incapable of saving myself. And so Jesus, I'm trusting you once and for all as savior and Lord of my life. Thank you first of all for showing me what it is to live, what it is to bring your kingdom. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Thank you for taking my sin Thank you for being buried in a tomb. And thank you, Jesus, most of all, for rising from the dead. I'm stepping into life your way, Jesus Christ, eternal, forever life with you. And if you're a person who's stepping into saving faith in Jesus Christ today, that is the biggest decision of your whole life. Nothing matters more. It's such a big deal around here. We like to acknowledge when people make that decision. It's a private moment. It's just you, me, and God looking around this room. If you prayed with me just then to give your heart and life to Jesus, would you be real bold and would you just slip your hand up? Would you lock eyes with me right now and just let me affirm that decision with you? Yeah, right here. Yes. Way to go. And in the back. Yes. Way to go. Let me just make sure I catch your hand over here to my right. Yes. 
Absolutely, and here to my right as well. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Way to go. Yes. Oh God, we celebrate salvation has come to the hearts and lives of people right here. We celebrate you. We celebrate your resurrection power that makes that even possible, God. And I pray for us that we would live in the anointing of your resurrection power with all of our days. That we wouldn't sell short what it is that you want to do in our hearts to free us from stuff that we thought we'd bear up under for the rest of our days and stuff you want to do through our lives into the world all the way even to sight to the blind and things just like that. God, that you would set us into the very things that Jesus Christ himself was about, that we would lock arms with him, lock arms with you, and that we would go forth, not in our power, not by our strength, not by our might, but in the resurrection power of you alone, God, the one we worship, the one we call king, the one after whom we pattern and order our lives.